Xbox has a good December, Xbox has a good January, and Surface will have a good March. Happy Friday, friends. Happy Friday. It's Friday, and what a wonderful week it has been. A wonderful little... <laughs> And was busted out into the tunes there, my friends. It is Friday. Xbox did their developer direct. Microsoft did some stuff, some good, some bad. And uh, well, it looks like Surface is going to have an event in March. And so there's there's just a lot going on. I wouldn't say it's quite September uh, like we experience in the fall, but there's there's a lot to dig into here. So let's just dive into the tech news this week. Hopefully you all had a wonderful time. And here we go. First things first, uh, if you use Outlook, now I've ranted or whatever, rallied against the Outlook web app. I just, it's not for me. It's, I can't I can't get over this and I don't know what I'm gonna do here, but the reckoning of all reckoning has really kind of come out here. So for those of you on the video side, you'll see this nice little uh, pop-up that Outlook will now be displaying. If you're in the EU, if you're in the US, good luck. We don't really matter, that doesn't really matter. But part of the EU and the regulations and everything else is like, hey, you've gotta kind of come out and say, like, what are you doing with all that data and where is it going and who are you tracking? And so if you use the Outlook web app, Microsoft is now displaying this prompt. It says there are 772 different data people tracker things that are now monitoring kind of like your inbox. And that, my friends, is creepy as all get off. Like we all kind of like we know in the back most caveman part of our brains, we all know like we're being tracked across the internet. Like Facebook is worse than this based on their own numbers and everything else. But like when you see that your, your email client that they're forcing you into has 772 third party parties processing this data, yikes. Yikes. So, you know, maybe I know we all know the saying, if you're not paying for it, you're the product. But in some sense, you can pay for this. Like you can pay for Outlook without ads and whatnot, but we don't know how many data trackers are in there. Yikes, Roni. But either way, it, that just, it just doesn't feel good really in any sort of meaningful sense. Now, uh, things that do feel good, it looks like we're going to see a Surface event here in March. Now, if you're, if you're watching this channel and you're new to what I do on Fridays, where it's like this wrap up and dive into like all the tech news and stuff, Walking Cat is an extremely reliable source within the Microsoft community. And so a Surface event potentially on 321 makes a lot of sense. That's kind of what we've been expecting. You know, Surface Pro, Surface Pro 10, I should say, uh, Surface Laptop 6. The big news will be ARM chips at this event. There will be Intel-related product. Um, we're not quite sure if they'll call them like a 5 Plus or something. We'll see uh, what they do on the corporate side. But the, the big deal is going to be ARM, ARM chips. Now, however... I don't think those ARM things are going to be ARM things. Those ARM laptops and Surface Pros are not going to be available right away. Like we sometimes see that we might be waiting until June. Now, June is when Microsoft is supposed to start like, talking about 24H2 that we don't know if it is going to be called Windows 12, could be called Windows 11, could be called Windows whatever it's going to be. Um, but you're going to need that version to, to effectively and most efficiently, I should say, run the Windows and ARM version. And so look out for March. Look out for a March event. Now, granted, these are all tentative dates, obviously, until Microsoft comes out and says, hey, that's what we're doing. It's all sort of like, hey, it's mudding around, but Walking Cat's not one to, uh, to toss out dates out there. Now, speaking of all those Windows 11 and Windows 12 AI-related things, Microsoft this week announced uh, Copilot Pro. Copilot Pro is the consumer version of Copilot that you can pay for, and you get more goodies under the bag, but it's tw it's 20 bucks a month. Now, it 
I, I know where Microsoft got this pricing from because like if you're like myself and you play for the premium version of ChatGPT, that is how much, my friends? $20 a month. So $20 has sort of been like the, the it's been justified throughout the industry. So Microsoft's like, we're not going to beat that. Let's do 20 bones a month. I don't think many people are going to end up paying for this, but there, I think it's going to be, you know, at least it's available. And there's, I shouldn't say, I'm sure there's people listening to this and I myself am trying to see, should I switch over to this from ChatGPT Pro or whatever for 20 bucks a month? I, I don't have a great answer yet. If you should, I probably will experiment with this one day, uh, probably sooner rather than later. But either way, it's 20 bucks a month for some extra stuff. And the, the biggest thing that I understand Honestly, and only really care about is how is it with Python because that's what I primarily use ChatGPT for these days is Python and everything else is just sort of like a vanilla wash at the end of the day it doesn't really matter too much but uh, anyways the next question becomes all these Windows fancy AI features are they ever going to be landing behind this uh, this little paywall because it would like it we've been wondering Microsoft's going to introduce all this stuff it's not free for them to run they have data centers and everything else so this seems to be potentially a way that Microsoft might gate that or, or wall it off, if you will. Now, when it comes to PC sales, by the way, courtesy of my buddy Paul, uh, you can look at the number of millions of PC sales and they've been declining. They actually fell 13.25% in 2023 down to 200, 250.7 million, million units, if I could enunciate my numeros correctly. Uh, and you can kind of see the waves in the troughs and uh, yeah, it looks like we're kind of hitting the bottom of the trough here, which yeah, I'm not a rocket surgeon here, but you can kind of tell by looking at this chart, hey, things are probably going to rebound here slowly, maybe in the next couple of years, maybe they'll hit a new low. We'll find out. We don't really know. You know, if we could predict the future, we'd be uh, in a totally different place in a totally more fancy podcast studio. But either way, those are the big uh, tech highlights of the week. And just realizing I put the Xbox image behind me instead of the podcast image. So anyways, uh, let's dive into the gaming news because it has been uh, it has been a week for Xbox. Actually, you know, kicking things off here is the fact that Xbox, uh, according to Matt here in, in his data from his company, said, look, it looks like Xbox actually kind of killed it in December. Now, what does that mean? It means that the Xbox Series uh, series, meaning both of them, set a new lifetime high in U.S. unit sales during the month of December. The previous unit sales high for Xbox Series was set in December of 21. And so that's kind of a big deal, right? Being this far down in the cycle and hitting hitting that high. Like that's, that's a really big and notable milestone, mostly because we would typically see something like this with a price cut. And as we've known for this generation, a price cut isn't really happening. And when Matt was asked uh, more directly, you know, what was the split in the series? And it looks like two thirds were actually the Series X, which is again, a big deal. And sort of, it makes, it's an interesting sign. It's an interesting sign for multiple reasons. One, it means that obviously uh, store shelves were fully stocked and then Microsoft had the ability to sell a lot of these consoles. But the other side of it is like, hey, we kind of expected the Series S to be the dominant platform, but Hmm. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's not. Maybe the Series X people are willing to pay that premium for the higher price console. And maybe that's a lesson Microsoft is learning here, which kind of brings out the other question. So when they go and launch the next generation, we will clearly understand, does Microsoft have new get found knowledge from launching this two tiered system? 
We'll find out. Only time will tell. But either way, it sounds like it was a really solid December for Xbox, which is, you know, it's great news for the industry and for considering how much they're investing in it. Obviously a good thing. Uh, we will learn more, by the way, January 30th. So January 30th is when Microsoft will be dropping their next uh, earnings release. Earnings release. That's when they have their earnings announcement. And so I doubt we'll get console numbers. We don't get that. But that's going to be the time we'll see, hey, how did Microsoft perform during the most critical quarter of the year, which is the holiday shopping season? And as of right now, the information should suggest that, hey, things are going uh, pretty darn well here. Pretty darn well. Now, let's dive into this little thing called Developer Direct. Microsoft held this Developer Direct on Thursday. And I, I honestly think they did a pretty darn good job here. First off, big shout out to the graphics team. Uh, not necessarily the graphic that's on the display here, but if you watch this event, the transitions between titles was done really, really well, really neat. And I think that they just did a good job of creating like this cohesive theme. And you can actually see like, right, they kept with the same artistic style throughout. It was just, it felt like it was well put together. Very clearly this has been filmed uh, doesn't sound like super recent. I don't know, just because it was really well polished with these interviews and these cutscenes and those things take time to put together. What I'm trying to say is like they didn't film this on Wednesday of this week. Like this is something that they've been putting together and and, and good for them. Uh, so kind of like the big highlights here. First off, uh, Hellblade 2 is arriving on May 21st. So that's actually relatively soon. And everything else gets sort of these vague dates. Now, I, I, I give credit to Microsoft because, hey, look, it's very clear they've lined things up here. Look, we have a spring release with the May date. We quite literally have a summer date uh, with Visions of Mana, which was not a shadow release, but like a kind of like a surprise announcement. But either way, so that's coming in the summer. Then we have Avowed and Aura both in the fall. So you can kind of see like this release cadence they're setting up. And then Indiana Jones in, at a nebulous 2024, which we all know to interpret meaning the, the end of 2024, second half for sure. We're not expecting that to show up here like as a shadow drop in the next week or anything like that. So this really gives a nice outlay of what to expect from Game Pass 2. Remember, this is a Game Pass company and they want you to sell Game Pass. And so Microsoft needs to deliver on its promise to keep content flowing. And I think these titles all look great. I think at least through their trailers, obviously we will wait and see what the actual reviews are like. Uh, we all know what happened with Redfall, but I think Microsoft is fully in the position now to control the destiny and say, like, look, we're not doing another Redfall. Um, and so I wouldn't expect Hellblade 2 to go down that sort of route. It, it looks fantastic. So uh, I think all these titles look great. I think, I'm, I don't know, they all look fun. I was going to say I'm most excited about Avowed, but like they all look great. Like the Indiana Jones title, they all, I don't know. The thing is, because of Game Pass, I'll probably end up at least... I don't, Visions of Mana, I will tell you right now, is just not my game. Uh, the other four, I will probably play in some capacity and just kind of feel them out. And so I think they did a very, very good job here. Obviously, they've come uh, full circle. Indiana uh, Jones title is an, a, a quote-unquote Xbox exclusive, but remember that also means PC. And so that kind of clears the air. And uh, I think they've set themselves up with like a really solid lineup here for 2024. Now, keep in mind, that includes 0.0% .0 of anything from ABK. Obviously, there's Call of Duty. There's a bunch of other titles in that catalog. So we'll, I'm sure we'll hear things about that throughout the year. But this is more of a, uh, the January event was very clearly, very obviously stated. Like these are the, the I don't want to call them legacy studios because let's like they're not old, but like they're, they're older than ABK. So uh, I think that is just important to point out that like that was that was it. Also, I think that kind of ties in if you think about it. Microsoft came out. Uh, earlier in the week, they're like, look, there's no ABK titles. Think about how late 
uh, ABK closed, right, late last year. We don't know exactly when they filmed these things. However, like with ABK up in the air, like to line all that up for this event, ABK can, you know, puts the narrative together about why uh, none of those titles were actually shown there. So, all right, my friends, on to the questions of the week. So we got Rafik. He says, hi, Brad, what's your opinion about the Apple Vision Pro? Personally, I find its shape ugly and it's priced way too high. And second, what well, we'll go with there. So the Vision Pro, um, I forgot to bring these down. So the X-Reels, I've been using them more and more uh, because I think they're probably the best kind of analog that we might get to potentially a Vision Pro. I have very obviously not tried a Vision Pro yet. I will tell you that the news that came out this week, because there were some publications who got to try it but weren't allowed to review it, if that makes sense. And I will tell you that if the killer feature is that it's good for watching movies, like, yikes. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to be like a skeptic and say, like, the Apple Vision is going to be dumb. Apple does things in their own way and their own flavors, and we'll wait and see, you know, what happens, right? We'll give it some time because this is a whole new set of things that they're trying to convince people to spend uh, multiple, th- like, you know, over $3,000 on. So, you know, trying to be cautiously optimistic because I like to think that, hey, this will be a good thing for the industry. It'll help bring VR and AR more into the mainstream. Um, because the last thing I was like, oh, those are dumb. We're AirPods. And hey, look, I was completely kind of, because uh, we're all like, look, those are Bluetooth headsets. They're dumb. They're never going to do it. I now own two pairs of AirPods. Um, I don't know if the Vision Pro is going to go the same thing. Like the whole thing is like taking over your head. And I've used a lot of AR and VR products. Obviously, I have the X-Real glasses. Uh, I have, I've used MetaQuest and I've used uh, Microsoft's Mixed Reality, multiple different flavors of that. And yeah, like I, that's it. I've used Hololens that falls right into that category too, and so all this stuff is really neat for very specific and niche scenarios. Like my personal favorite is using things like space. I think called Space Engine, like going up and looking at like planets and whatnot, feeling like you're in space. That's fine. That is like a 15 minute exercise that scratches the itch like once a month. That is not something I desire to put on every day. The reviews also noted it's kind of heavy, which is also another very serious issue. I don't wear glasses. So having literally anything on my face for more than five minutes tends to feel heavy. I even think that the X-Real glasses tend to feel heavy after time. And that's those are like pretty darn lightweight in comparison to everything else. So I don't know. The one thing I will tell you that stands out in my head is that uh, Netflix and what was that? I think Spotify and YouTube all declined to build apps for the Apple Vision Pro. And I got to say, good job. I am happy that they are doing this. It may not be the reason why you're thinking is like, maybe they just don't think there's going to be a market. I hope at the, the base of my soul that when they they went to Netflix and said, hey, will you build us a Vision Pro app that we can use in our app? And they said, sure, uh, you owe us 27% of our revenue. Because here's the thing, right? Remember, Apple's sitting there gatekeeping all these subscriptions for a long time on YouTube, on Spotify, and Netflix. And then they're like, hey, can you build a new app to support our new thing to help us sell more of it? Keep in mind, we're going to continue to take 30% of all your subscription revenue. Like, seriously? And so the fact that these companies actually stood up to Apple I is a very big deal because we all know the market power that Apple has with this kind of stuff. However, this isn't an iPhone. I think the I think the Apple Vision Pro will sell in very low numbers. I, I think there's going to be a novelty aspect to it. And I'm not saying it won't become something. But it, this might be step one. And it might, have, might not be. And the thing is, like, I... 
kills me saying this because I said the same thing about HoloLens. Version 1 isn't for the masses. I think the first iPhone really wasn't for the masses. Remember, it was like 700 bucks, uh, and you had to buy it outright, and they had, didn't have carrier deals back then, or they didn't want it. I can't exactly remember. AT&T doesn't really matter. I, there's a, a good chance the Vision Pro will eventually become something great and fantastic and a pair of glasses like we all kind of really want. I actually think the Google Glass was closer to what the product should be like than the Vision Pro. And that is just me. Something lightweight, something that gets you into it. And the biggest thing that I'm bullish about with these glasses, that are the glasses concept, and I think Xreal, and I'm not trying to like promote them or they're not affiliated with them, but I think they'll probably get there first based on how aggressive they are. Throw ChatGPT with voice recognition into it and it unlocks a significant amount, right? Of potential. We were all kind of thinking like Alexa and Cortana and those things and, and Google Assistant were it, but nope, they fell short in so many different ways. However, ChatGPT really does sort of envision that. So the problem I think we, we fall into, and this is like a really long way to think, is that when we think of these AR vision, AR experiences or Apple Vision, like we're still stuck in these modes of we need a traditional user interface. Now, Xreal does the same thing. They're like, you got to have a visual interface. You got to click an icon. You got to do this sort of thing. And to me, that is potentially the wrong expression of what we should really be trying to target. And I don't have a great answer for that, but I think ChatGPT gets us closer to it than having a full just, here's an LCD strapped in front of your eyeballs, right? All you're doing is just bringing the laptop closer to your face and, and taping it to your head. Wow, that got really long-winded, but um, I, I really want this stuff to be a thing, but I just it feels like we're just trying to keep doing the same thing we've already done. And that's like, just take your laptop, pull it really close so it's in your peripheral vision. Apple Vision Pro! Um, and Apple's not alone. I'm not just trying to ding on them. Other companies have done very similar things. Windows Mixed Reality completely failed because it tried to grasp, again, the same thing. The concept was like, okay, you're in a 3D space, but you're still just working within a desktop in a frame that you could have in a non-AR VR experience without five pounds strapped to the hot side of your temples. So, uh, yeah. He's <laughs> Anyways, got onto a tangent with that, but it's a wonderful question, Rafiq. It really is. And he says, the second is, what do you think about Apple's strategy about AI is it going to be? Because I find it very hard that they will stay out of the race for a long time. I think you could already make the argument that they have already not, they've already entered the race, right? To me, and I think Microsoft is trying to do this with Windows, which is notable. Like AI, AI experiences should be things that just happen and, and enable things rather than me talking to an agent, if that makes sense. Like right now, a lot of us, when you say AI, you think going into a, a prompt and typing like how many cups are in an ounce or something like that, or what's the best way to fold a shirt? And then like it spits out some sort of uh, response in a list. It's slightly more useful than Google. Fantastic. That's fine. But there's also more beneficial things where it, like the image creation, things that like Midjourney do, I think those are way more powerful uh, experiences of AI where it's you can describe something and then something gets created. And, and that creation doesn't necessarily need to be text. I noted earlier the Python. To me, what AI does is it allows me to be a, a better uh, more effective at my job through unlocking new tools that I previously would not have been able to expose to. Other examples could be too, if you are, let's say, an accountant and for whatever reason you need to edit an image and have the background removed, AI can now help you do that without having to interact with marketing. And so 
those types of experiences I think are good. And I think that's where Apple's trying to go to. They talk about it with their photos, uh, being able to lighten darken scenes, being able to intelligently detect that's machine learning and AI get woven through the conversation way more than anybody would probably uh, really come out and admit from Apple or Microsoft or whoever. It's like, is it really AI or is it just fancy algorithms and, and machine learning on the back end? They're all very similar. We already know that Apple is doing things because they reportedly went to publications offering like $50 million to use their databases. And so Apple will certainly not go away. But Apple is much more tends to, especially when it comes to like AI, we'll just see Siri just get better. It would be my expectation because right now Siri is like really low on the on the totem pole of functionality, and I think we'll continue to see Siri and other things within the OS just just improve uh, elegantly through the background. Is sort of how Apple does it. Uh, Side Choker says, "Hey Brad, why isn't Microsoft taking the current Outlook app from Android and use it on the new desktop app? I love the fact uh, that you can have one fee with two different cats. I hope it's understandable. Yeah, uh, we kind of thought they might try to do this when they were bringing all these Android apps over to Windows, but clearly Microsoft said, screw it, we're just going to use our one uh, our web app or to create our quote-unquote one Outlook. And for them, that was probably less friction because like, hey, it's just a web experience just in a container with 700 plus trackers. So that's probably partially the reason why is because it was easier and they can make more money doing it that way. And wrapping up the questions of the week is Mr. PK, oh, Mr. PK coming in with the hot rumor. He said, I heard that Halo has dropped plans for battle royale mode. Is this the end of multiplayer growth and the continuation of Halo Infinite interest in the community? Are you playing it anymore? So I have re-downloaded it, not for, uh, for Forge, honestly. Like there are some, I think the future of Halo uh, multiplayer growth is going to come through its Forge platform. Forge is the greatest thing that will ever happen to Halo. Uh, there's been there's a new board top game that people have created, and I think that is the true value of Halo Infinite. And so it sounds like the battle royale mode maybe just isn't going to work out, and Microsoft's potentially shifting resources. You got to understand too. Also, Microsoft now has a very very successful battle royale game. It's called Warzone. Microsoft, remember, they own Call of Duty. So to launch another to, to launch another battle royale title with a game that hasn't been super well received. I mean, and by well received, I don't mean people don't like the multiplayer. I mean, just from enough people playing it to spin up a battle royale. You gotta remember, battle royale is only as good as the community is large. And so if they can't fill the rooms and if they don't think they can fill the rooms or the maps, then that experience falls apart. And the only thing worse than launching a battle royale is launching a battle royale that doesn't have enough people. And then you have to shut it down. And so Microsoft was probably looking at player base size, like saying, okay, Warzone multiplayer, because they now have this data. Remember, Warzone or Call of Duty multiplayer, let's just, I'm going to make up numbers here, but let's just say it's 10 million. And they look at Warzone and say, okay, it's 2 million people play Warzone of the 10 million population. So there's 2 million people there. So now they have a, a rough ratio. It says 20% of the multiplayer base will play multiplayer will play battle royale if they go if they carry those numbers over to halo and they say look we've only got a million people playing i'm making these numbers up please uh because somebody's gonna be like brad sam said there's only one million people playing multiplayer I, there might be more there might be less i don't know but then they say okay two hundred thousand people playing halo battle royale we that's not going to justify the the investments and it's not going to support a healthy community so it's gone so, and then there's also Halo Season 2 on Paramount. Uh, does anyone subscribe to all the extra streaming services anymore? So this is a wonderful question. So I do not subscribe to Paramount and I probably will not watch Season 2 because I, I'm, I'm streaming serviced out. And so hopefully one day I... 
Well, if they do like it, didn't it eventually all show up on YouTube? Maybe it'll show up on YouTube and maybe I'll catch it that way. So thanks you all for the questions of the week, my friends. It is cold and blustery in the Northern Hemisphere, especially in Cincinnati. Uh, it's very cold. Hopefully all of you have had a wonderful and a wonderful warm week at that. So, uh, you know, as always, my friends, make sure to keep it subscri subscribed here if I could enunciate because the only BS on this podcast is me.